the four of us just sort of bobbing around on this. <laughs> Eight, eight, We're rowing with purpose. <laughs> We're not bobbing around. Sorry. <laughs> Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of 80% Mental, certainly the best sport and performance psychology podcast that I've ever produced. My name is Dr. Pete Olushaga, and if this is your first time listening, first of all, where have you been? But second, glad you can make it. Come on in. Have a seat. I'll get you a drink, tea, coffee, warm milk, perhaps. This is the third series of the podcast, although in fairness, the point at which one series ends and another one starts is entirely arbitrary and depends on when I feel like taking a break. Um, but I'm still going with this series and I'm trying to explore the psychology of different types of performance in all sorts of different contexts. And we've had various athletes and coaches on the podcast so far, but also actors and singers, dancers, musicians. And it's been fascinating to learn about the different and sometimes very similar performance challenges that they face and their mental approaches to performance. So you can listen back to all of the episodes from Series 3 of the podcast at 80percentmental.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, and subscribe too as well so you don't miss out on any future high-quality content. Um, but obviously do that later when you finish listening to this episode in which I'm continue, continuing to explore performance psychology by thinking about the psychology of the sea. Now, the, the furthest I've ever rode is a few laps around Saltwell Park in Gateshead in a boat that could be described best as just about almost adequate. Um, I've done a fair bit of training on the old Concept 2 rowing machine uh, in the gym, and anybody who uses them knows that it's the most horrific of all forms of exercise. So the idea of rowing nonstop for 3,000 miles across the Atlantic is about as far from what I can imagine doing as possible. But it's exactly what my two incredible guests are going to be doing in just a few months' time. So without further ado, it's my absolute pleasure to introduce you, first of all, to Laura Langton. Now, Laura's an investment manager based between Cheltenham and London and is one quarter of Team Ace of Blades, a four-woman team undertaking this 3,000-mile unsupported row across the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, Laura, who's just sipping a cup of tea and I'm about to ask her a question, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having us. No, absolutely delighted to, to, to have you on. Uh, we'll kind of get into a little bit more about your background in, in a moment, but I also want to welcome... Um, Kit Windsor, who is another quarter of Team Ace of Blades, and Kit is a Kent-born, Bristol-based project manager, and is going to be joining Laura on what she describes as the adventure of a lifetime, rowing across the Atlantic with three like-minded women. Uh, Kit, welcome to 80% Mental. Again, thanks for having us. It's, yeah, really exciting to be here. Now, I, I can't wait to, to quiz you a little bit on what it is you're actually doing. It sounds like an, an amazing adventure. Um, but I'm really grateful to both of you for giving up some time to, to come and talk about this incredible challenge uh, and maybe how psychology is going to play a, a pretty important role in what you're doing. Um, I, I suppose before we get started, um, for our listeners, could you maybe tell us a little bit more about the challenge itself? I mean, uh, you know, Kit, how long does it take to row across the Atlantic for starters? Um, so we'd like to do it in about 40 days, 
or Laura will correct me and say we are going to do it in 40 days <laughs> <laughs> um we yeah that's sort of it's it varies sort of the men's team sort of come in between anything between 30 days plus and the women's team come in a little bit after that um the world record is 34 days that was set in sort of a a year that it was sort of hold on um a lot of records are broken that year uh the fastest ladies crew did it in 42 days last year so yeah it's kind of very weather dependent but mm. the, the aim aim of the game is 40 days or less sure and and where is it that you're sailing specifically to and from uh to, to, to get across the atlantic well i have to I have to correct you because you said sailing and it's definitely rowing <laughs> <laughs> and we're like what like three minutes in as well <laughs> It's fine. It's the one thing. It's when people go, so when do you start sailing? And you're like, no, 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 we're not sailing. Um, I'm going to so- go back and edit it. So I say, <laughs> uh, so we leave from Lagomera in the Canary Islands yeah. and row across to English Harbour in Antigua. So uh, two very lovely places to start and finish. Okay, and awesome. And this is part of a bigger thing, isn't it? This is the um, the world's toughest row. Can you tell us a little bit about, about that? Yep, so it used to be the Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge um, and they've rebranded because they've launched a Pacific row as well. So um, they do the Atlantic row in December and the Pacific in June. Um, they've been running it for, I think, over sort of 10 years or so. And every, I mean, the one thing that we've really enjoyed about ocean rowing and taking on this challenge is the fact that the community is just incredible. Um, one thing about ocean rowers is that they love t- talking about ocean rowing. <laughs> But also there's so much to know that it's it's amazing to lean on people who've already been through it. Um, everybody's so generous of spirit and time and resources and experience and knowledge. Um, so you really feel like you've got a whole sort of army behind you mm. trying to help you be as successful um, as you can be at your crossing. So I think it's, it's an amazing um, community and challenge to be part of because there is obviously the, the option to do it on your own and just decide to leave from one point and go across to another and you know there's lots of different ways that you can cross the Atlantic but actually there's a, a the support network I think is uh reassuring for us and especially parents partners family <laughs> members yeah. like they like to know that there is at least somebody watching over us and uh, moving us in the direction we need to be going in yeah so the, the community elements are kind of a huge part of what you're doing this huge community of rowers who are kind of undertaking the challenge altogether, i guess even though it's a sort of uh individual endeavor um i i guess what i want to get to really is like how, how have you got to the point where you're doing this you know like because <laughs> it seems like a fairly sort of uh, uh a big adventure to put it to put it bluntly but so you know a little bit about kind of your, your background really i mean kit have you have you always been the adventurous type um i'd probably say Yes, on that one. <laughs> um, I when I finished uni, I was sorry. I met Laura and I met rowing at university, mm-hmm. um, and then when I graduated, um, when I was a kid, we used to go on um, flotilla holidays with a company called Sailing Holidays. Um, and sort of the last time I went out, I was like seventeen and was like, I'm going to do this one day. Um, so I did <laughs> for two years after university, um, and. I worked at the London Boat Show for the company that I worked for uh, and saw an ocean rowing boat there and they were doing it as part of Talisker. I think they must have done it in 2016, maybe, Um, and sort of saw it and was like, that's a bit of me, that. 
I um, can very specifically remember having a conversation with my dad when I got home saying I'm going to do this one day and um, he's like maybe sort of do it when you're 30 and you sort of started your career a little bit and jokes on him because I was 30 last year so. <laughs> um, and then the team got together sort of um, one of my friends from sailing did the row in 2020 and she shared a post that Liz had put out looking for a crew member or crew two crew members at that time um and I sort of jumped at the opportunity um and then um Laura sort of came on board after that (laughs) yeah I um, am I'm very much the sort of corporate sort of uh career focus it's not I'm not the adventurous type whatsoever and I um I'm not really a massive fan of the ocean. I mean, I've got, I've got, definitely got more, more okay with it. But it was, it's never been something that I'd thought of. And then, um, kind of came up and uh, Kit mentioned it, and I thought, this is something that if I say no to it, I'm probably always going to regret saying saying no or not putting myself forward. And um, I spoke to my like my boyfriend, now fiance, uh, family, and my work, and said, like, what do you think? And everybody was incredibly supportive um, and just said, you know, you've got to go for it. And I think I've got the personality and the drive to make sure that these, if I if I put myself forward for it, I don't let anybody down. And it's it's done to the, you know, the best of my ability and the team's ability. Um, but the one thing I would say is that, you know, somebody says to you, do you want to row across the ocean? And you think, God, that's going to be difficult. But you don't quite realise everything else that comes with it. The project side of things is just absolutely enormous and it's and it's been fantastic but um yeah. yeah I think sometimes if you if we knew now if we knew then what we know now <laughs> it might be quite a different situation I mean that that's going to be the trailer for this episode if somebody <laughs> asks you about rowing across the the uh the ocean you think oh that's going to be a bit difficult <laughs> I, mean, I, I imagine it would be yeah <laughs> yeah so I, I guess you know what is it about this this particular this particular race? Because obviously there's there's the Pacific as well that they do as well. So is there something about this um, particular race that you're kind of really drawn to? Um, I think for me it's just the allure of the, the ocean and the sea. Um, like I am a proper water baby. Anything mm. that involves water, sign me up. Like I did a lot of swimming when I was a kid um at university I played water polo and I rowed I've kept up rowing since like since university um so I think a big draw of it for that a big draw of it is that for me um but I think also it's like it's I I'm really excited by like the fear of the unknown so for me I kind of feel like I know that there are going to be situations that are going to scare me but Currently, I don't feel like I know what those situations are and I'm looking forward to kind of testing myself for that. Um, when I mean, I, there have been ones that have scared you already. There have. <laughs> um, but like it's sort of it's like, like you deal with it in the moment and then afterwards it's a bit like, oh, that was a bit scary, wasn't it? <laughs> we, had, we had a fantastic situation where the weather massively picked up during one of our training rows. So we had to go and um, anchor in a bay. And the decision, the decision was made that we would anchor in the bay, and then, like when when we saw that the weather was dying down about seven o'clock, we would then row round to a much quieter bay and take the boat in. 
but the, the point was that we were spending the night on we were spending the night on board the boat and kit put the anchor out and it was like she was every sort of half an hour she's like it's not holding i was like <laughs> It's seriously holding. She's like, it's not holding. She's like, look how close those rocks are. It's like, you're looking into pitch black. I was like, yeah, they look really close, Kit. I don't know what you're talking about. And then every sort of, I don't know, probably 20 minutes, it then became sort of more incremental where she was like, we need to keep moving the boat backwards. It's keep, We're getting closer and closer to the rocks. And I think we worked out that it probably took us four hours to get to the point, point where yeah. she thought we were too close to the rocks. But because she just had kept us up all night by going, <laughs> I'm terrified. I was like, right. Anyway, so we, we moved the boat back and I was like, right, we're going to re-anchor. And in my head, I just thought, right, we're not leaving this bay until seven o'clock when we said we were going to leave because I'm not letting not letting this change. We're not letting this be a thing where we just don't stick to our guns. And then at sort of 6.59, like, there was a knock on the, on the cabin door. Kit opened the door and she was like, yep, we said we're going, we're off. <laughs> I was like, we, and then when we got round and the boat was all sort of put back on the train and everything was fine, I was like, so funny. I was like, were you all right there? She's like, yeah, don't really know what that was about. <laughs> <laughs> I think when it's your boat and you know how expensive it is, yeah. it's, a, it's a very different situation. But that yeah. was one of those ones where I was like, okay, mate, like, <laughs> we're all right. We're not going to die. <laughs> we'll be fine. Um, yeah, so it's, it's all like a learning curve. And like, I think that's. <laughs> I think we probably all have that enjoyment in ourselves that we all play off our play off each other's different strengths and things like that. So yeah, yeah, it's a big thing. No, fantastic! I can't wait to hear more about kind of the preparation that's gone into this and that's going to be going into the rest of it. Um, I, I imagine that there's some slightly different motivations as well for doing this, as well as kind of your own personal uh, challenge. And you know, Laura, even though you hate the ocean, you kind of that that fear of missing out, I guess, as you you kind of <laughs> described. Um, but, you know, what What are some of the reasons you're doing it, the causes that you're supporting? Because you're going to raise a lot of money for, for charity as well by doing this. So we've got um, three main charities or three charities, um, Macmillan Cancer, the Outward Bound Trust and Prostate Cymru. So um, we wanted to go for a, a larger medium and a small charity in order to then cover off as well um, issues that were close to our hearts, but also sort of... Uh, teenage and, and younger people and also men as well because obviously we're a, we're a crew of four women but um we just thought that you know it's an all-encompassing thing so for me I I um, requested for Macmillan cancer because um my mother had leukemia when I was 16 and whilst we didn't really use them as much um as I as I know that other people have they were always there waiting in the wings for us and um lent on them for a bit of support and unfortunately my my mum's still with us so um I'm very lucky in that respect but I know that having just like a, a third party there that wasn't you know a, a family member or a friend or somebody who was too involved in the situation that could just support me and my brother when we're you know still children and going through something quite um dramatic in our lives so mm. that's that was really important to me um and then Liz our crewmate um was supported with by the Outward Bound Trust um through her teenage years and they sort of build resilience and confidence in young people through adventures so I, we couldn't really think of a better charity to to um support through what we're doing because we're definitely trying to build resilience and confidence yeah. <laughs> in, in in what we're and uh, what we're undertaking and then prostate cymru is um the welsh prostate cancer ca um, charity and we've all got family members who have been affected by prostate cancer and i think that um, the work that they do is, is fantastic so really pleased to be able to support three such amazing causes and 
it was a really difficult decision. Yeah. I mean, that was probably one of the hardest decisions. Um, we found picking a name surprisingly easy in comparison to um, to choosing <laughs> charities because, you know, when it when it boils down to it, when we're out there and it and it's really difficult, we're we're thinking why are we doing this? And there's obviously the personal endeavour, the personal achievement, um, raising awareness for women in sport and you know ordinary people doing extraordinary things. But fundamentally, we want to raise money to to support these causes. So it's really important that we've got an affinity with them, and that in our darkest moments, out yeah. there, which there will be many, I'm sure, um, <laughs> we understand why we're doing it. <clears throat> Yeah, fantastic. And I think they're charities that a lot of people will will sort of resonate with quite strongly. And we'll put the link to your website in the episode description. So if people want to support the team or find out a little bit more about the team, they can go to that uh, website and, and, and perhaps uh, support you guys in what you're doing and help you raise a little bit more money for, for, for charity. Thank you. So you're listening to the 80% Mental Podcast. I'm here with Laura Langton and Kit Windsor, half of Team Ace of Blades, who are going to be rowing, not sailing, <laughs> can't mistake twice, uh, across the Atlantic in, the start in December, is that right? Yeah. <clears throat> awesome. um, so can you, I guess, you know, we know kind of what you're doing, but can you tell us a little bit more about the boat? Because I, I was fortunate enough to be able to see the, the boat that you're going to be on uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the boat and kind of what it's going to be like for the four of you to have to, to sort of, you know, be cooped up there for, for <laughs> 40 days and 40 nights? It's a real, it's it's a real, I find it quite hard to describe the boat because it's kind of like a really bizarre mashup of a yacht and a river rowing boat in the sense that it's like the the obviously the sense of it is to row it so it doesn't have a keel it's just got a rudder and what's called a dagger board that you sort of you can put in and out depending on the weather conditions um it's like an 8.6 meter long oval with the back cut off with a rectangle out the middle and then um what surprises a lot of people is that you can sleep in both ends um in both the cabins I'm six foot tall and can lay down in both of them which does alarm a lot of people when sort of you can see the boat in its in its entity um but we've been when we've been speaking to other crews um they're like those boats are absolute TARDISes um and an example of that is that we were giving one of the cabins a good old clean last weekend and we found loads of food that the previous crew had left over so nice um and we've had the boat for over a year yeah (laughs) so it shows you either how little we've cleaned it or how much there are like how many hidden pockets there are yeah yeah so um but they are purpose-built ocean rowing boats by a company called Rannock who are based out of Essex um and yeah it's just sort of they're designed to self-right they are really really light so when we're towing it around it's about I think the weight of the actual boat is about 500 kilos and then when we get to the start line and we've got all of our equipment on it it'll be a loaded weight it's about 1.2 tons I believe mm-hmm. um I think also fundamentally they're they're built to keep us alive, keep us alive. so whilst they're you know we had a um, had an event at my work yesterday, and somebody, one of my colleagues, said it's not very luxurious, is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends what it depends what your definition of luxury is, but fundamentally, it's got everything on it that we need to survive. Yeah. Um, we like you know, I think everybody w- wants to do the best that they can do. So we're we're building we're building in 
different um, storage compartments and sort of different um, layouts so that we it's it's sort of purpose built for how we want it to be because fundamentally when you're out there you need to know where everything is whether it's middle of the night or first thing in the morning and you need to be able to use what you've got in order to make sure that your life is as easy as possible and the boat provides that for you so um and we're, <laughs> we're training with everything where we would have it or will have it when we're doing the row as well so that you are we're, when we're training and we're tired we'll we know exactly where to go for those pieces of equipment yeah. now when we'll need them in in less than five months time. <laughs> yeah. there's a slightly worried look when you say less than five months time there. <laughs> it's come around so fast like yeah. one of the girls at the start line that said to us last year she's like this has been the quickest year of my life and I can like and I, I kind of believed her but then also it, everybody says that don't they when yeah. something's coming up but yeah this, like the fact that we're almost in August <laughs> is absolutely bizarre and, and it means that we've got three months left of the boat yeah we're just under three months left of the boat because it gets shipped on a on a container at yeah. the end of October so we're like right okay we've got a lot of stuff to do in a very small amount of time um but I think but yeah we're, we're in this sort of pressure cooker now which is fantastic and it's really great that the four of us all know what it's like but also it's a pretty detrimental um detrimental position to be in for everything else that goes on in our lives yeah <laughs> so I've never been out on the ocean uh in a boat and you talked a little bit earlier about kind of being out there in the dark and and obviously you can't really stop and have a there isn't really anywhere to stop and have a rest in the middle of the Atlantic right so you know what are some of the conditions that you're expecting um like what's it actually going to be like to be doing this for for 40 days and 40 nights so I think one of the things is that the conditions that we're training in are unlikely to sort of be the mill pond that we sort of we go out in at the moment because we around the coast of the UK it's much more dangerous than rowing off the coast off the Atlantic, which I know sounds bizarre, but um there's, there's less, less stuff to hit. Yeah, essentially <laughs> there's less stuff to hit in the middle of the Atlantic. Um the general conditions that we are told that we'll be expecting. Um, are 20 foot waves sort of 20 20 25 knot winds um we'll be hitching a ride on the um gulf stream not the gulf stream the trade winds mm. um so that's sort of why we go from Lagomera, and that's the time of year um if you were so lucky to have a boat in the med and wanted to winter in the caribbean that'd be the time that you go mm. um so yeah i think i don't i don't necessarily think we've road in the open ocean before either um but the conditions that we are able to train in around the coast of the uk it's sort of we're trying to come at the waves at a different angle so that we're experiencing the boat rocking around quite a lot and mm-hmm. sort of seeing if he's going to be the first one to have seasickness and things like that um so yeah that's sort of as in there's a lot of like I don't I think there's less hazards in the Atlantic for sure than the You ocean. just you can't emulate what we're yeah. what we're going to be doing by the yeah. training that we are doing. There's there's mm-hmm. just it's just impossible to do that. You know, we can't to lose sight of land for um for our training is virtually impossible going around the English coastline. Um we're also only insured twelve nautical nautical miles off, off land. So we like to make sure that we're in a in a location where we're still can still get our boat um repaired if required. Um, and I think also as well that, you know, the amount of training that we put in, 
it's I think there's some statistic where it's if if you're training for a marathon the amount of training that you can put in in relation to the ocean row is about the equivalent of running a, mi- a mile for running a marathon right. so it's just you know you can't you can't prepare for what we're going to be seeing out there you don't get the same sense of how small we are in comparison to the vastness of the ocean you're not in you know when we go out on the coast we can radio and call people if we were in a real pickle we'd be able to be picked up pretty quickly um a boat was lost last year in the 2022 race um the the talisker which was what it was last year and i think they were at sea in the life raft for nine days so 18 hours was it only 18 hours was it but they were picked up pretty pretty quickly but still it's um a lot longer than it would be Mm. if we were off the coastline because we have there's we call the harbour master and just say any chance you come give us <laughs> um so it's a slightly different situation he has oh, told us that it's preferably the case that we don't do that yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, was the, it was the um last year they there was two boats that lost rudders and oh, yeah. it was the team that lost their rudder they had to wait nine days without being able to steer or really go anywhere until the safety yacht was able to get to them so mm. you know you are far from support and and if anything does go wrong it's it's on you to make sure that it's that you're able to resolve it whereas when we're training we definitely have some training wheels on sure so i guess is that you know i was going to ask you about the 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 mental challenges you know what do you think the, the sort of biggest mental challenges are but i guess that's sort of being isolated and having to rely on yourselves as one of them. So, you know, are you doing any sort of preparation in that way? You know, that the sort of, if this happens, then this is our response. Like if this happens, you know, the contingency planning, I guess. Yeah. So, well, so we're, um, the, we've had, we've had many sort of conversations. We've got um, a coach called Tim who helps us with our sort of crisis management. And we've also got scenario planning with um, a gentleman called Angus Collins, who is an ocean rower. And that's really to make sure that we, whilst we're here and before we go, we make the decisions on how we would resolve problems that arise at sea when we aren't sleep deprived, aren't exhausted, aren't hungry, aren't dehydrated, mm-hmm. aren't maybe a little bit peed off with the people that you've had to spend the past X amount of time with and <laughs> had no connection for somebody else. I mean, forgot it was your birthday. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's one of those things where, you know, you make those decisions when, when you sort of, of sound-ish mind and, um, have talked it all through mm-hmm. so that when it actually comes to it, you know what the answer is. So if it go, you know, if the conversation is right, Kit's been out in the sun and she hasn't put any sun cream on for the past four hours, she's absolutely toasted herself. <laughs> Kit's and, an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so she's an idiot. Um, but secondly, right, she needs to get inside a cabin and try and recuperate herself, cool herself down and, and sort herself out. So she won't be able to row for the next two hours. Laura, you said that you would cover her shift if that, if that happens. That's what you said you'd do. You're going to do it. Mm. No sort of, oh, but I don't really want to do it now. No, that was the decision that was made. And then that means that actually, you know, if Kit needs to take a two-hour two hour respite to, in order to sort herself out, that doesn't then become she can't row for a day because she's got sunstroke and she's being violently sick and it's a lot worse than it would have been. So there's a lot of um, crisis management and ensuring that if something happens, we have come up with the, with the idea. And a lot of our decision-making will be deferred to a land team. So mm. somebody... A, a crew of people that will radio and just say right this has happened how do we fix it what did we say we would do to resolve it what's the what's the contingency plan if i break my arm what's going to happen okay and then we then go from there rather than thinking oh we'll just sort that out in the middle of the mm-hmm. ocean because the time that you have off the oars 
is utilised for washing, clean, uh, cleaning, eating, admin, sleeping. So decision making and trying to have a, a sort of team talk in the in those two hours is is not really what the time's meant for. <laughs> yeah. So you're taking the decision making process away from the, I guess, crisis time really. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that it's just a case of following a checklist or a predetermined process. It kind of takes that cognitive element out of it when you're kind of busy trying to do other stuff as well. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. So you, you kind of mentioned the idea of, uh, you know, you being on a boat with people, the same same three other people for <laughs> over a month. Uh, talk to me about that, because that's got to be a mental challenge in itself. I think we're really fortunate in the amount of time that we've spent together. And I, th- I feel like a lot of the crews probably do spend as much time together as we're spending. Um, and we have, yeah, I think we just, we like we speak, we, I didn't see Liz for about two weeks the other day and before I saw her on um, this week. I was like, I've not seen Liz in ages. I miss her. And it had literally been 10 days. Like, that's how much time that we spend together. Um, I've seen you. <laughs> I think also, I think we're really lucky, though, because Kit and I have known each other for 10 plus years. Yeah. And so we've got this relationship where we've kind of been super close and then we've drifted apart and then we've been super close again and then we've seen each other a bit but not really and then this has come up and so I think we've got this sort of thread of a relationship and Liz and Beth are sort of newer in our lives so we've got a really nice mix of knowing each other and know probably a bit too much about each other (laughs) and new people that we don't necessarily know that much about so we're learning about each other but in very different ways so I think that does break it up a bit and I think some people do it as complete strangers some people do it as you know really old school friends or or family members and I think it work it it works you make it work for you yeah but what we've got is that you know we can just sit and row together on the boat and just chat rubbish for (laughs) two hours or we can just sit listen to a podcast in like complete silence and or just row in complete silence with nothing on Mm -hmm. and just be comfortable so I think we're fully aware that it's not always going to be... The better roses. Yeah. I was going to say plain sailing, but we're not mm. allowed to say sailing. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's um, it's also knowing that, you know, I'm probably the most likely to flip out because I've got a very red personality. And um, But the girls know that that's just because I'm just a very direct person. So there's sort of no airs and graces. And if somebody's done something to annoy me, you just kind of... I just tell them because mm. I don't think there's any point in... Um, beating around the bush mm-hmm. but then the the response is you know that's not meant that's not something to hold a grudge about or it's just an air clearing move on continue and we're just learning that about each other really aren't we yeah and I think we um so we did um I think we did a splat so Tim splash. <clears throat> splash sorry who's our coach got us all to do this splash and it sort of picks puts you on like introvert extroverted um Detail, detail orientated big picture mm. and between the four of us we complete the circle so I think the fact that we have have that actually is really beneficial for us because it means that um whoever is like the less detail orientated person you've got another person in the team picking that up and they're they're helping each other see the bigger picture and make sure we're getting all those details picked up but we also did a um, 24-hour row, so in March, to sort of emulate our shift pattern. So two people on the oars at any one time, and then on a row machine, on, on an erg, on an erg, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, Laura thought it was a good idea to um, then tag a 26-mile walk on the end of it overnight, <laughs> overnight. 
Um, so Seems perfectly reasonable, yeah. <laughs> I'm a very reasonable person. <laughs> um, which actually was really good because we then came together, I think, the, was it the weekend or the weekend after? Yeah, so to, the, the, to have the, a debrief on yeah, it. Yeah, the, the, the 24-hour row and the 26-mile hike, not everything went perfectly, but the whole point was that it didn't. It was meant to show our weaknesses and, and see at, at what points the people flail or, or at what point do people pick up and like dust themselves off etc and then yeah as you were saying we yeah that catch up yeah so we went into the um sort of debrief with three questions um so that, no not three questions sorry. we went into the debrief and it was three things that went well individually three things that we could have done better or sort of to improve to improve on <clears throat> individually and the same for the for the team so three things that went well as a team and three things that could have gone better. And I think we basically had sort of one big therapy, group therapy session for about yeah. six hours, like chatting. And it was a really, I think it was a really bonding moment for us, but in terms of understanding who's better at speaking their needs, sort of if someone goes into themselves, what do you need to pull yourself, pull to help us pull you out of that? And so we definitely learned from that one as well. And Kit's going to kill me for saying this, but she's a massive overpacker okay, <laughs> to the point where it's like... It's a running joke now. It's like, it's like why... Like, I, I swear she did have the kitchen sink, okay? It's ridiculous. I think she had about 20 litres of water when she knew we were stopping to pick up water on the way, which was just ridiculous. I'd just been prepared. And she was like, oh, my back's really hurting. So I picked up her bag and I was like... No kidding. This is why are you carrying? All, and it was you got to got to the point where you're like, I actually can't walk. It's so like my back hurts this much. I was like, right. So maybe you should have said. And I was like, firstly, my bag's basically empty, so I pretty I could have carried half of your stuff for you. And secondly, maybe you should have said about four hours ago that it was becoming a niggle because now we're getting into this point where we, we probably could have solved this a lot easier four hours ago so that was a it's now a running joke that we tell her to pack a bag and then we repack it for her and <laughs> throw half of it away <laughs> i love that i, love I always have snacks for everyone <laughs> <laughs> but i love that i love that you know although you're sort of preparing individually for the the mental challenge you're preparing as a team as well and really taking the time to to get to know each other you know properly because you're going to be with those people in a, in a confined space for an extended period of time. So I think that that social cohesion that, you know, with the, the team members that you perhaps don't know as well as, as, as you two have known each other for a long time, it's going to be such an important part again, when it comes down to those, those crises or those yeah. moments of, um, where it becomes difficult sort of really knowing how each other work and how to approach each other. Sounds like you're, you're kind of doing a lot of work on that stuff. Yeah. And I think we, we always knew that we would do this as well in terms of bringing like trying to understand how we're how we'll work together because it's all well and good sort of knowing each other on a surface level but then when like push comes to shove when you're in the middle of the Atlantic and someone might lose their rag with someone and it's not <laughs> it's not through naming no names <laughs> it's it's not through like a direct personal thing it might be like that person's just at the end of their wick and sort of just needs to have that like outlet almost. And then five minutes later, everything's fine and it's not personal on anyone. And it's like, I think we as a team will know that because um, 
I know like we're all grown-ups essentially <laughs> um, think, yeah. and behave that way as well so it's also it's you know we have to keep saying to each other it, it's not you know just a little you know 10k run that we're doing that we that's over in you know however long it takes it's actually we're going to go and live on this very small boat in this very vast ocean trying to get from one point to another point as efficiently and safely and everything else as possible so whilst personalities and everything come into it fundamentally as long as everybody is doing what they should be doing that's the that's the only way that we're going to achieve it and therefore if you know if kit's not clipped on and continually doesn't clip herself on and i tell her to and she blows up and has a go at me all i'm trying to say to her is we don't want to lose you overboard and also it's like like paperwork for me (laughs) which again feels like it's a quite reasonable thing to want somebody to do but when you're out there it's a very you know it might feel like i'm just nitpicking at her and going you're not doing something right you're not doing something right for me i'm i'm saying to her we don't want to lose you you aren't being safe you're jeopardizing the team and yourself but by her knowing that I'm not just trying to be nasty to her and I'm actually trying to be supportive um that will mean that we try and avoid all of those situations and you know the whole situ- the whole thing that we're doing is trying to survive slash thrive which people thrive yeah, thrive out there yeah. um and we're only going to do that with each other's support and you know when you're when you're in a boat with four people everybody needs to be pulling their weight and doing as much as they can do because otherwise that's where tensions come up and yeah. somebody's not doing what they should be doing well obviously that's going to annoy going to annoy people i'll definitely be more vocal about it than other people that doesn't mean it annoys anybody else less it just you'll just be it. the one to say it yeah they'll just lean on me and they'll be like you be bad cop laura <laughs> <laughs> but i think as well we've got um we've spoken quite a lot about our goals for the row and i think quite a lot of people have very similar goals um but ours are to get across safely, be better friends or as good of friends as better we... Friends. Better friends. We'll know a hell of a lot more about each other, I'm sure, by the end. Be better the friends. idea is not to be worse friends. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, as good friends. As a minimum. We know, we need to be better friends. We've gone through this, like, life-changing experience. Yeah. Like, well, she's still all right, I guess. She's fine. She's fine. Um, yeah, so it's um, get there across safely, be better friends than when we um, started and also to have done ourselves justice. And I think that that is probably one of our big drivers is just sort of knowing that we're all doing the best that we can and will be when we're um, out there and sort of are like one of the things that sort of keeps me going sometimes when I'm like, I don't want to do, I don't want to go to the gym and then I'm at the gym. I'm like, no, I'm thinking about that. Thinking about us all sat on the beach in Antigua with a rum and coke or a beer just like sat thinking like oh that was that was we did that like <laughs> and, and also you know when something happens and something like life crops up and you go oh, I don't want to do that training session or I haven't got time to write that blog post or I haven't got time to contact that sponsor or I haven't got I haven't you know got the energy to go and go into that meeting and have that conversation you think actually if I don't do it I'm letting three other people down yeah and then I'm also letting down everybody else who's given us their all their time and energy I mean you know like yourself and everybody who's taken an interest in what we do if we're not trying to do it to the best of our ability we're letting people down and that's for us I think for all of us it's the worst feeling knowing that you know we've got financial backers we've got people who are willing to give us their 
houses to stay in or to let us go out of marinas for free and etc. Our partners. Yeah, our partners who <laughs> are partners, partners. partners as well. And you just think, right, if we if we're out in the middle of the ocean and we haven't prepared as much as we need to and we fail, or we take twice the amount of time that we said we were going to take, okay, we've still achieved it, but we haven't done ourselves justice. We haven't we haven't done it as safely as we probably could have done and, and we're letting ourselves down in, in that respect. So whilst it is a huge undertaking and we're probably going in depth on every aspect. I think it's it's needed. It, it, it's not just um, you know like a morning out of your life. It's been three years. It will have been three years when we finished of constant preparation. So it's all consuming, isn't it? But we've learned a lot, and it's, and yeah, it's yeah. awesome. And I would definitely recommend it to anybody. This is the 80% Mental Podcast, and I'm here with Laura Langton and Kit Windsor, uh, half of Team Ace of Blades, who are going to be sailing, rowing. <laughs> God damn it. So I had, I had um, Wendy Searle on the podcast in the last series, and she um, uh, walked unsupported to the South Pole. Amazing. Uh, and I kept calling it a trip, as if she was like <laughs> popping down the shops or something. <laughs> I felt really embarrassed. Like it's not a trip. It's like it's a whole massive, you know, adventure. Um, so anyway, uh, I'm here with Kit Windsor and Laura Langton, who are rowing across the Atlantic uh, in a few months, and uh, we've been talking about the, the sort of mental preparation um, for, for the for the trip. Um, and one one of the things that you've mentioned a couple of times now is this idea of just the, the vastness of the ocean. And kind of how small you are in in this boat going across the ocean, and and I think it's like for me as well, it's it's really difficult for people to just comprehend like how big the Earth actually is and how big the Atlantic Ocean actually is. So, I, is that something that you thought about? Is that something that um, you know you've you've prepared for that sort of feeling of of almost being tiny in this vastness of the ocean because you can't see land there's no landmarks you know what's that going to be like and how are you how are you sort of preparing for that I definitely think it's going to be I think it's going to be bizarre um sort of the, the sort of almost like the sensation of it and also um just knowing that it is us just it's the four of us just sort of bobbing around on this eight me- eight meters we're rowing with purpose <laughs> We're not bobbing around. Sorry. <laughs> it's us. <laughs> We're rowing across this ocean in this eight-meter boat, essentially. And it's really unlikely that we're going to see anybody else or anything else for that. Or not anything. We, I'm hoping we're going to see some amazing wildlife. Like we spoke to a guy that did it last year who said that they were basically um, underneath them, there was 200 dolphins and then six orcas chasing them. I was like, wow. that would make me... Um, a little bit nervous. You told me about a dolphin last week. The dolphin last week. And that dolphin was heading towards us. Oh yeah. <laughs> he was like, it's gonna hit me. I was like, I, was, I was like, imagine if this dolphin breaches and jumps on the boat and no one would believe us. <laughs> like, <laughs> just, it was like heading directly for us. And I was, I was like, like, no, put the GoPro on. I was like, it's not gonna hit us. It's is that in your list of what if scenarios that you prepare? <laughs> What's your planned response for if a dolphin like, jumps on board? <laughs> Some crews um, in the past have been struck by a marlin. Right. So um, they're, and 
they're not entirely sure why or the frequency, but one of the theories is that because you get quite a lot of fish underneath the boat um, as you're rowing and they're hunting those fish, but then they sort of just get their nose stuck in the boat. So we need to be prepared to essentially for this situation repairing where a major artery as well. Yeah, repair <laughs> a major artery, yeah. Where because a couple of years ago someone was in the cabin when it got they got struck and it went in between their legs. Um so they woke up to like a like marlin strike in between their legs, which would be alarming at the best of times. <laughs> um so then we need to be prepared to like epo- like jump in, epoxy seal it with like marine like wet set epoxy and um People don't tend to cut them out because they like to take them home as a trophy. Um, well, so if you take it out, you've got a massive hole in the boat. <laughs> but I mean, like, saw it off. Yeah. Because so, um, sometimes you have to saw the actual marlin yeah. off the other end. Sometimes they snap their nose off and they swim away. <laughs> or other times you've actually got to get rid of the fish. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> Yeah. Um, but in, in the sense of sort of like the vows of the ocean, when, when we're in the middle of the Atlantic, the, the deepest part is five kilometres deep. Um, we we are required to, if we want to maintain speed, to clip on and jump over and scrape all of the sort of gunk off the bottom. Um, I'm quite happy to do this. I think you're sort of you're like, like I want to do it, but I'll, I'll do it. But I just I, I mean it. It's not something that's. I mean a lot of this hasn't been on my bucket list. If I'm honest. <laughs> and also when somebody says when somebody says to you, do you want to row across the Atlantic Ocean? You don't think, oh, I've got to go and to avoid yeah, being shark food. <laughs> Um, but yeah, sort of. I'm I'm almost quite looking forward to just sort of being in the middle of nowhere and that, like it's just you. And mm. I feel like it will will also probably be quite sleep deprived anyway. But it will almost be like a complete out of body experience and just that sort of isolation. I think is um, it'll be a really unique experience and probably mm. like mind altering in the sense of like are, are any of us going to have like a realization halfway across and be like oh, this is what I was meant to do with my life kind of thing <laughs> like come back and change your career and yeah. who knows but um yeah it'll be um it'll definitely be life-changing I think so sort of just that sense of isolation I think also as well that you've for me I like to sort of reframe the idea of the vastness of the ocean and how small the boat is because we're basically just stripping back what we're doing to just have the bare essentials of what you need Mm. to survive Mm -hmm. and actually thinking okay we're in this vast ocean but I've got everything I need on this boat there is nothing else that I need and we live in this world of sort of instant gratification where you know you want a Mars bar so you go get one or you fancy something different for dinner than you bought so you go get it there is none of that option when you're out there it's very much here's another packet of dehydrated food that you need to add boiling water to and eat it. And then that's continually what happens over and over again until Mm. you get to Antigua. There's no, I'm just going to scroll mindlessly through Instagram because power management and saving batteries is the most important thing as well, because we've got to use the energy that we produce for making fresh water and navigating and having like radio signal and um, being able to contact people. So there is none of this, I'll just do what I want whenever I want to. Yeah. It's very much regimented. You've got your two hours to get yourself up to the best physical condition that you can do, considering you're in, on an eight metre boat. And then you've got two hours of rowing and there's nothing you can do during your two hours of rowing. There's no, I'll just stop and like have a bit of a stretch or just, you know, be slightly less um, 
sort of focused on it know you've got two hours to make up as much distance as you can so whilst it is we're small and it's vast we've got everything we need and we don't you know we don't need to think about the fact that there is nothing around us because we don't need anything that's around us so I like to think of it in that way because otherwise I think it would drive you slightly mad (laughs) (laughs) thinking about how you're not going to potentially come into contact with anything else for for a long time well, I think it's you know it's almost like a it, it's a it's actually like a really beautiful thing to consider rather than a daunting thing to consider yeah, that yeah. sort of vastness and, and and sort of isolation. Um, but uh, Laura, talk to me about the the isolation because when we last met, you talked to me about um, kind of the the sensory deprivation element mm. of what you're doing because you know obviously it's going to be nighttime half the time. Um, you know, you're rowing in the dark because you can't yeah. see anything. There's no landmarks. Like, how are you preparing for that? I think it's so there's there's lots of stuff that you can do so there's you know putting putting a row machine into a darkened room and getting rid of any like screen or you know any any notion of time around you and you know other crew other crews have said that they do that and they just get somebody to come and knock on the door after two hours is up so that you get yourself into the boredom you know being able to actually sit there mm-hmm. and deal with the boredom of actually nothing happening because you know when we're rowing through through the night there might be some you know really fairy tale situations where bioluminescence comes and it's like bright green and we have this most amazing start yeah all this stuff (laughs) but there's going to be days and days of nothingness there's going to be days of you know kit being boring i don't want to listen to her to chatter and we had this conversation yesterday (laughs) yeah or like you know there's we so the shift pattern that we do is um two hours on two hours off but after your first hour the person behind you or in front of you will change so you're over your two hours you row with two different people right and we had this conversation last time we were on a training row because somebody fresh comes on and then but you're in your second hour and so then they start like nattering away oh i'm having a great you're like god i'm having a real sense of humor failure right <laughs> <laughs> so we're just chatting and i said to like Catherine was just kit was just chatting away to me I was like, just so you know, it's like sort of two, two o'clock in the morning and I'm on the second hour of my shift. So if I'm not responding, it's not because uh, you're boring. It's because I have very low energy levels. <laughs> but things you, you have you have to just be sort of honest with yourself that that's how you're going to be. It's not going to be, you know, every day is not going to be a blockbuster movie where you want to write home about it. Mm. And it's, um, and it's. I think it's important to become comfortable with that and know that, you are just making steady strokes towards where you need to get to. The other side of the, the other side is that there'll be days when we have rowed thirty miles but been pushed back twenty. So although we've rowed a certain distance, we've not made Much barely any progress, or if any progress. Mm. And that's also a real mental um, block to be like, mm. I'm expending all this energy and getting nowhere, but getting absolutely nowhere, or knowing that you know, another crew is, is gaining on us or or they're ahead of us because they chose a different, like a more southerly or more northerly route than us. And mm. if we'd have made that decision two days ago, would we have been um, further forward than them? And and you've, you've just got to become really comfortable with the fact that you are making the, the right decisions for yourself. You're, you're doing as much as you can do. And actually the, the sense of time and like you say, the sort of sensory deprivation that you have is just part and parcel of, of stripping things back and, and getting to where you, you want, where you, where you need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm definitely a very audio, like Kit's very audio sensitive. Whereas I could like, so every time she reverses the car, it's like everything's going to be turned off. No talking. 
Whereas for me, I'm just like, I'm going to have the music on, just chilling around, just fine. But it's also like if there's a lot of noise going on for me as well. So, yeah, it's just, you know. So for me, I'm just like, well, okay, we'll just have the, we'll have the Laura, speakers on all Laura the time. will happily have a conversation with the speakers on. And I'm like, it's got to be one or the other. This is hurting my brain. <laughs> So, yeah, so, it's, it's, so it sounds like everything's got to be very much process based. So it's just it's almost that kind of um, uh, chop wood, carry water, chop wood, yeah. carry water philosophy where you're just doing the things that you need to yeah. do. And the kind of outcome of how many miles you've done that day is, is sort of almost secondary to the, the, the process. One of the things that um, the race organizer has said to us is um, when or when we've been to when we went out to the start line last year and we attended a family and friends talk and they said to sort of because our partners all went out with us um, and in this talk they sort of said don't expect when we're calling home like don't expect us to be like full of loads of excitement about loads of exciting things like you'll ask them a question about what they've been doing that day and they have rode they've eaten and they've slept so actually they're going to be more interested in what you've done that day because it will be completely different to what they've been doing so it's yeah. kind of like don't be disheartened if they call home and they're like what are you done today i rode same <laughs> <yesterday>. <laughs> i have nothing to tell you okay <laughs> same same as the last time i spoke what do you see there's i mean there's a lot of blue <laughs> yeah. and it's sort of like don't be surprised if they're like what did you eat for dinner and they're like oh i had some vegetables and you're like and they're like, I really oh, want some vegetables. vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the thing as well. It's actually the expectations that other people have of you has been a real. It's been really eye opening for yeah. us. Is knowing that, like, we're not really like we obviously want to meet people's expectations and exceed them in terms of the challenge, but also in terms of how we are coping with things. Like, especially parents have been told, look, when when you get to, when they get to Antigua don't just ask them a thousand questions because you're going to get basically no risk. We're going to go back to being teenagers where it's grunts <laughs> and just wanting to sleep. Like the swaying that you get from even being on the boat for 24 hours is pretty, is pretty aggressive and that will, that will die down. But then when you get to Antigua, you're just going to be rocking the whole time because that's all you've known for 40 ish days. Mm. So I think that, um, you need to get your land leg back. Yeah. But I, I think that people's expectations of us being able to, recount these most incredible stories will be will definitely be something that happens but there will also be a very high percentage of nothingness yeah it's mostly just rowing yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically watch watch what we did there we did that continually <laughs> yeah, so um I, I love hearing about your your mental preparation your preparation as a as a team as well um, we've got a, a relatively new segment on the podcast uh, where we get to know the guests a little bit more with some some quick fire questions. I still haven't thought of a good name for it, um, but I, I feel like you know, obviously, you two know each other pretty well. Um, but I feel like this might add to some of your mental preparation, you know, team building um, in an effort to you know spend a, a month together on a twenty five foot boat in a few months. Um, so, are, are you up for it? Yep. <clears throat> yeah definitely fantastic i'm glad you said yes um so i've got i've got four i've got four envelopes here one two three four uh and we've got four different categories of, of quick fire questions so we've got either or have you ever uh deep and meaningful or the last time um so i first of all can you agree on a number envelope that you want to pick 
Um, or is that going to be the first first argument? I'd probably go three personally. Yeah, I was going to go three, so that's fine. But, wow, brilliant. Okay, so number three. What's the number three? Just yeah. <laughs> number three is, there we go, the last time. Oh god! Great. So quick, quick fire ish. Um, <laughs> we'll start with the, the first one. Okay, so last time, where's that? All right. Um, start easy. Last time you went to the cinema, uh, Laura. Uh, a very long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I went to see, um, oh, it was in Stroud. What was it? It was dreadful. <laughs> it was really bad. The cinema was really bad. I can't even remember the film. I'm was. really glad that I asked. Had a really had a really bad meal beforehand. What was it? So the cinema experience over. I can't remember what I even watched. <laughs> it will come back to me what I watched, but it was, it was, ah, oh, it was Avatar 2. Dreadful. <laughs> Would not recommend. <laughs> Worst three hours of my life. And I've rode for three hours on a rowing machine, so... <laughs> A, a stunning recommendation for uh, James Cameron's epic. Well, I don't think I'll be seeing it now. Um, I mean, the first one was pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> Kit, what about, what about you? Last last film you went to see? Uh, the last James Bond. Um, I actually had a really lovely time. I went with my boyfriend and yeah. we got pizzas delivered to us in the cinema, which you can do in Everyman in Bristol. So, yeah. Yeah. Wasn't that like two years ago? Yeah. Okay, that was a long time it ago. Was a lo- <laughs> it was a long time ago. But... It, was, it was that memorable, though. It was memorable, yeah. Uh, okay, when was the last time you uh, laughed till it hurt? Oh. Uh, last weekend, um, my uh, we had some scones on our... Poof. I call it. We call it a poof in our family, which everyone rips it for me. And um, my boyfriend got some blankets and managed to knock the scones or scones, depending on. It's definitely scones. <laughs> it is so scones. It's unbelievable. But never mind. Um, anyway, he managed to like catch the scones with the blanket, and it went up the walls. And I have no idea how it happened, but it was. Like it was just absolutely hilarious, and we we're both like crying with laughter as a result. So yeah, <laughs> I like because he turned around and he was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> Expecting like a massive fly on the wall or something, but it was just jam all up the wall. It was hilarious. It's so funny. I was like, "You're the only person I know who could do that." <laughs> Apart from me, maybe. <laughs> uh, Laura, have you got one? Last time you laughed so hard it hurt. I. We've got so many in jokes in the team yeah. that sometimes it just it's just painful. <laughs> like sometimes we like I have sort of afternoons or morning zoomies where I just get lots of energy, and then we just spend like a good forty five minutes ripping the the mick out of out of each other. You just spend the whole time being far too overexcited, yeah. <laughs> and then I calm down, and then it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> It's quite frequently that we just we have a very good giggle all yeah. the time. Yeah. yeah, it's mostly surrounding if someone nearly fell off the bucket whilst they're doing a wee. <laughs> or quite entertaining. Beth, Beth was sick for the first. She was she was the first person to be sick, and she was so dis- disappointed in herself because she was sick in front of me. I don't deal very well with bodily functions, so um, that's my uh, major issue with the with with the row. 
And um, I was I was in the front seat and rowing, and Beth had to vomit into the bucket in front of me. <laughs> that was a that was a very awkward situation, but one that we did not let her live down, no. which is good. I was it very loud until it hurt then as well. <laughs> I can also hear her laughing in the moment. She can hear that we're telling this story, which is fantastic. <laughs> Um, and she doesn't have to give her approval either. So, exactly. yeah. um, okay. When when was the, when was the last time you screamed because you were scared? <laughs> I don't think I can tell this stuff. But I had last, last weekend because I thought there was a fly or a, like a slug on the wall behind me, but it was just jam actually. <laughs> because of the, my boyfriend's face, it was like the look of horror, and I was like, "What's happened?" It was the jam, so that was why I screamed because there was jam on the wall, but not because of the jam. It was the, the facial feature beforehand. I, I think mine was another bucket incident, but I don't know whether I can tell the story. <laughs> it's bad for you. It's the story when I had to run into the cabin. Oh yeah, no, you can tell that. That's fine. I, my bodily function situation where I don't like other people's <laughs> happening near me. Kit said that she needed to use the toilet and there was a 50-50 chance. Toilet is a bucket, yeah, by the way. Bucket. Yeah, She said there was a 50-50 chance it could be a number two. So I, <laughs> I ran to the other end of the boat as quickly as possible because I, I couldn't have this happen near me. I was like, ah! <laughs> run away. It was just the number one, by the way. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad we cleared that up. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's not enough space on the boat to have like a designated toilet, a bucket use area. Right. So right. it's either be watched or or not, or, or well, be watched or be watched really is the right. only option. So yeah, that was that was a scary moment. That, that was might, pretty funny. We might get far too close far too soon. <laughs> I probably laughed until it hurt then as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, let's do a couple more. Uh, when was when was the last time you told someone something that you weren't supposed to? Well, my, I told told you last week that my um, I, it's, everybody knows now, so it's fine. Um, told, told you that my sister in law was pregnant, and nobody was allowed to know. But you were fine because you weren't going to tell anyone. Yeah, she can't come to Antigua to come and meet us because she's due on the eighteenth of January. Right. So I wasn't. I had to. Try, they were like, "Oh, what's going to happen if like Tom and Holly? That's my brother and sister in law. Are they going to be out there?" And I was kind of lying, but I don't have a very good poker face. So I was like, "Uh." I have to tell you something, <laughs> but you can't tell anybody. <laughs> I actually don't know. I'm, I don't know. I don't know if it's because I'm a good secret keeper or I'm just not very good at secrets. Maybe like, people, don't, people don't tell you secrets. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. <clears throat> you have to skip it. Yeah, I might have to pass that one. I, skip that I one. actually okay. don't know. Oh, fair enough. Okay. Um, when was, oh, this is a good one. When was the last time you told a joke? Me and my boyfriend tell each other terrible jokes all the time. So, yeah. well, there's an obvious follow-up question, isn't there? Yeah. What's the joke? Come on. Um, if a meat eater is a carnivore and a vegetable eater is a herbivore, what do you call really polite dinosaurs? Porphivores. <laughs> <laughs> That is the worst joke ever. It's not great. <laughs> I've got loads of dinosaur jokes, so um, send them in if you'd like. Laura, what's your, what's, yours? what's your best joke? I don't know if I've got a good... I don't really think well, I mean, you can't do worse than that. So. No, I know. We had, we had a, um, a promo filming session uh, not that long ago, and we 
we I had my AirPods in so that the um, videographer could get in touch with us because we weren't close enough for them to radio to us. And uh, he he, oh, called, yeah. he called through and he said, "You all look like you're having a terrible time. Can you please can you please smile? Because at the moment it looks it looks like it's the worst day of your life. It was raining and it was not great, so it wasn't it wasn't that much fun. But um, we just spent the whole time telling joke telling each other jokes. But Liz was awesome at telling yeah, jokes. She's she's very very dry. Yeah, very and I can't dry. think of what any of them were. Yeah. Shall I give you one of mine? Yes. yes. My, 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 my six-year-old has is, is gotten into joke telling. Fantastic. Uh, we tell it. each other jokes all the time. So this is my, my favourite one that I've discovered recently is, um, why did the old man fall into the well? I don't know. Why did the old man fall into the well? Because he couldn't see that well. <laughs> that is pretty good, actually. It's my new favourite. I love it. It's very good. <laughs> I think it's better, like, dad jokes and, and yeah. kid jokes are the best. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, well, that was it. That's uh, thank you for taking part in the segment that I still haven't thought of a name for yet. Uh, <laughs> I hope it's <laughs> added to your your team building uh, in preparation for your yeah. your Atlantic role. Yeah, I need to get a little joke repertoire, don't I? I'm going to work on that. <laughs> Okay, so this is 80% Mental, and I'm here with uh, Laura Langton and Kit Windsor, uh, part of Team Ace of Blades, who are rowing across the Atlantic in a few months. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed what you've been listening to so far. If you have, then leave us a comment uh, on the website, 80percentmental.com, or you can tweet us at EPMPodcast, uh, or we're on Instagram as well, at 80percentmental. So please do get in touch. Let us know what you think. Um so Laura Kit we've talked a little bit about kind of what you are doing the trip for uh, and your sort of motivations behind it what are your biggest fears going into this because you know it is a big undertaking uh, it is a, a a massive challenge you know what what are your fears about the trip I think I think at the moment like there are the obvious fears there's the fears of things breaking us not being able to resolve issues that arise whilst we're out there. Hmm. The fear of the unknown, the fact that there are there's going to be situations out there where we are really tested and actually we can't prepare for them. There's going to be stuff that happens that has never happened to anybody before. Even, hmm. you know, something similar might have happened, but it will never have happened in the same way. And I think, you know, we've got to approach that with a bit of pragmatism and just say, right, this is something that we're not going to be able to cope with. And I think I keep on referring to where we are at the moment as this pressure cooker of everything needs to happen right now. That's all. That's the only option we have at the moment. We've got the boat. We've got to spend as much time on it as possible to get to know as, as much as we can do about how it works and how to fix things and and how to be as like move around it and and store things in the best possible way. So I'm really not thinking about the fears and and trying to boil down what what is the what's the neg like what's the negatives? I think the fears are are really the negatives of what could happen out there and, and trying to embrace everything with a sort of positive mental attitude. Because mm. I think if you start digging too deep too deep into the the fears and, and what, what could go wrong, you know, you you're probably going to have a really yeah, it's mm-hmm. you know, going down the rabbit hole of catastrophizing and what, what could go wrong. Yeah. I like to I like to think <clears throat> that I'm quite a sort of um 
solid personality where actually you know I'll cross that bridge when I come to it rather than necessarily think right if this happens this is going to happen if that happens then that will happen and and here we are we're going to be in the worst possible situation mm. I don't want to deploy the life raft I don't want to live in a paddling pool with a roof on the middle <laughs> of the Atlantic Ocean which is what the life raft technically is especially not with three other people and a very limited supply of food and energy and and battery power and everything else mm -hmm. that's probably worst case scenario yeah. and I think fundamentally I don't want to fail like, yeah. I want to I want to get across as a team that are stronger than ever having done it in the time frame that we we know that we could do it and having done ourselves justice and I suppose also actually there's there's loads now <laughs> I've done the thing I said I wasn't going to do but also like have it you know we've we've heard horror stories about teams where it, two people have fallen out and they've never ever spoken again I don't like that would just that would be horrific. We've I said, thought you meant fallen out, as in. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I was just like, I've not heard this one. <laughs> <Yeah>. Do you tell? <laughs> There's stories that where people, they, you know, they, the irreparable um, arguments that they've had out there yeah. that, have, that have followed them through, like two or three years later, they yeah. still haven't spoken to each other, still haven't thrashed it out. And, I, you know, I get a bit emotional because we've sold our boat onto a crew that are doing it in doing the challenge in 2025. So we know that when we land in Antigua, technically the boat no longer belongs to us you know mm. we'll we'll sign it over to a new crew that will have the same you know wonderful but different experience to us and also we spend so much time talking to each other at the moment like I think about what the girls are up to and you know, how we're going to sort stuff out but when we land in Antigua we're inevitably going to drift apart because we don't need to communicate as much so mm. knowing that there's the there's the potential that two of us or however many of us might fall out and never speak to each other again is a, is like a is a real it's fear. Really sad, yeah. And like and it's not it's not and that's not an isolated example. Like yeah. so many crews have had that where they've just gone, she didn't like leave me enough water for a cup of tea. I'm never going to speak to her again. But when you're out there, that's like the worst thing that somebody yeah. could do to you. So it's um and it's like I think people think it's sort of a character defining yeah moment. You know, being so selfish that you don't think of the others that you're you're doing the challenge with. So I think there's, yeah, there's, there is a lot of fears. I think a lot of the fear, <clears throat> the, a big side of the fear element is the human side of it over everything else because we're, mm. we are trying to put in mitigating factors or mitigating um, problem-solving opportunities, we'll call them, if something goes wrong. So it's a case of sort of controlling the controllables and we can't control mother nature we can't control each other and it's i think it's well yeah that and that really feeds into what you're saying about if we do fall out that's very human of us and it would be really sad and it's not something that we can necessarily control but we can do everything we can to get to a place as a crew that we are as physically and mentally prepared for anything to go wrong on the boat which will be inevitably scary, mm -hmm. um, but we're very prepared for it. Um, and also to be in a place mentally as a crew where we don't fall out because someone's not left enough water for someone to have a cup of tea or rehydrate their meal to the specific consistency that they may may desire that day kind of thing. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think that, uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of feel like I don't necessarily know as I said earlier, so I don't necessarily know what I'm scared of, but I know that I am going to be scared when I'm doing it. And it could be something that's really, I wouldn't think that I would have got scared of kind of thing. And I'm kind of looking forward to finding that out about myself a little bit. And I, I was going to ask about 
greatest hopes for the trip as well. And and I wonder if that's the same thing, if it's more to do with the, the human element of it than, than anything else. I think greatest hopes is honestly is just to like have an incredible time and have a really good experience doing it. Like even on the like awful days is that we'll still be like all mucking in doing it together as a team. And we've got that like little image of us at our head of stepping onto land are like people are there to greet us we are then going to have some fresh fruit um, <laughs> and then just sort of, yeah being being as close being closer and sitting on the beach having a beer like I think that's sort of for me that's like a big thing that is sort of carrying me through a lot of this as well I think also as well that, you know, we started talking about this probably October 2020, signed up in January 2021, and will have landed in sort of January slash February 2024. So it's three years of your life that you, you know, given up is not the phrase, but that you have um, sort of put forward for this challenge. And to the greatest hope is that that is the best three years we've ever spent working towards something, you know, like I'm getting married in June next year and that's been definitely delayed because of the fact that I'm going across the, like going across the Atlantic ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, like everybody's got careers and, and different things that they've been trying to achieve that like there's holidays we haven't been on. There's experiences we haven't done. There's, mm-hmm. there's certain things that you've missed out on because of the fact that the road takes, takes ultimate priority. And actually you want to make sure that it's all been worth it. So I don't, you know, I, I don't, the greatest hope is that that is the case. Yeah. I, I don't want there to be anything that makes me think, well, that was that was probably <laughs> something I should have done better or I could have tried harder with. Yeah, yeah. And any time that there's been sort of a bit of animosity in terms of, especially with partners, where you go, what, oh, you're rowing again this weekend? And you go, look, come on, this is, I know it's really unfair on you, but also do you want this to be the best experience that we've ever had, you know, I know that all of our partners are really <laughs> jealous of the fact that they're not actually doing it and they're, they've, they've basically lived it, but they're not going to be breathing. <laughs> yeah. But it's they um, get the good parts of uh, being at this well. I think they get Maybe the terrible the start line, but the finish line at least. <laughs> but they, um, but you know, and the hope is that it is completely worth it. And, you know, fundamentally you want to get off the other side and go, let's go to the Pacific. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in a few years' time. <laughs> Be the first women's cruise to all three oceans, <laughs> yeah. Indian, Pacific, and Atlantic. Well, you, you heard it here first. We're going to hold you to that now. Um, I mean, you know, whatever happens, it sounds like it's going to be an absolutely incredible experience. Yeah. Um, and be- before we finish, uh, tell me about the playlist. <laughs> the playlist? The playlist is fantastic so far. So, so, yeah. so we've got a um, Soundwaves Club on our um, website you can access it through our website or through our instagram and socials um where we're trying to curate a playlist of three thousand songs to um see us through uh and also um i've had quite a few of my friends message me being like i'm going to put this song on four times so you can think of me every time i think I don't know if it's like just the things or something like that the details of it um there are some hoots there are some hoots on there we've got um liz's um dad 
is uh, X Army, so there's some uh, marching marching band songs on there already. <laughs> We've got Nimrod by. Um, there's a lot of hymns on there as well because somebody from my work decided that <laughs> I would need to have hymns overnight because okay. it'd be a very different uh, experience. Um, and my it's my thirtieth birthday when we're out there, so. Um, my a family member has put on the number one song, the song that was number one when I was born, which is Mr. Blobby. So that's always been that's always been a real real sadness of my life. And people are like, oh, what was the number? One? I'm like, yeah, it's Mr. Blobby. Um, yeah. So for three pounds, you can go onto our website, um, send us a song, and it'll get added onto the playlist. And um, we're sort of slowly making it on Spotify. Um, and I think we should definitely make it available to, uh, to share to everybody. Well, um, yeah, we've got some, we've got some Tina Turner, we've got Jerusalem, Gustav Holst, I vow to thee, my country, <laughs> some Frank Ocean. There's lots of obvious ones on there. Fleetwood Mac, there's some Green Day. Yeah. It's just an eclectic mix of all things. Somebody told me they were going to put some fiddly-diddly Irish music on there. Nice. Which I'm right. looking forward to hearing. Yeah. The only problem is, is that when it's like a scorching hot day and we're like really pumped and then Jerusalem comes on. <laughs> I'm going to learn the words and I'm going to sing them at the top of my lungs. <clears throat> so, yeah, it's a, I think it's a fun way of, of uh, contributing to our journey and uh, experience and getting involved, helping us experience yeah. different things. Yeah. We've yeah, got row, row, row your boat on there, which is an obvious one. We've but... got the classics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's a really nice way, like you say, for people to contribute and sort of be part of what you're doing, but also to raise a little bit of money for, yeah. for charity. So again, we'll put the link for that in the episode okay. description. So if people do want to to do that, choose a song for the playlist. Fantastic. Uh, donate a little bit of money and, and, and get it on there. Let's get to 3,000 songs. Um, have you, because I sometimes do this when I'm in the gym, if I've got a playlist on, like I know what song I'm gonna skip to for the last sort of five minutes of a hard run, or or the you know what the last song is gonna be as I'm finished. Have you have you thought about that? Have you done that, or are you just gonna play it sort of? You know what's gonna be the song that you sail into anti row into Antigua? <laughs> God I damn it! What? I think we have to make a decision, don't we? Yeah. Because so um because you so, don't want to be like you know the last sort of two hundred <laughs> yards with Mister Blobby playing. Out. <laughs> you don't want that. I think because they um. They film us coming in, so it's it's live streamed on YouTube for uh, our arrival into Antigua. Yeah. And I think we actually need to decide what we're going to do. I would like to do something that's not obvious, but Liz has a very eclectic m- music taste, so okay. we may have to. I kind of feel like it should be Ace of Spades. Yeah, that would make sense. We come in, which is um, yeah, obviously where the name Ace of Blades sure. came from. Yeah. Um, but... Maybe it's a bit obvious. Yeah, maybe. But like my go-to for the last five minutes of a hard workout is um, this um, Hold Your Colour album by Pendulum. So I don't quite think we'll be playing that. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, yeah. a bit of hardcore drum and bass for uh, the afternoon. Yeah, it depends what oh, time why, you get into Antigua as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People trying to sleep. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Awesome. Okay. Well, look, if people want to find out a little bit more about what you're doing, uh, or even better, if people want to support you and donate to any of the charities, how can they best do that? So we're on all social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, threads now, um, at Team Ace of Blades. Um, and our website's www.teamaceofblades.com. Um, and then there's all the, all of our information on there. So you can, you can find us pretty much everywhere. Um, we do some quite a fun posts I like to think some good blogs and um yeah we're constantly updating on our training and preparation so and then you can also see the boat which yeah. is beautiful <laughs> <laughs> 
Awesome. Fantastic. Well, like I say, we'll put that in the in the link, uh, put the link in the episode description so people can can go and find out a little bit more. Um, but thank you so much, uh, Kit Windsor, Laura Langton. Um, best of luck to you and to the the other members of the team. Do you want to give them a shout out, by the way? We've talked for like an hour and we haven't mentioned it. <laughs> I feel, I feel like we should talk about them as well. <laughs> the other two. <laughs> they do their own thing. Uh, yeah, so Liz Watson and Beth Motley. So, um, yeah, they're the other half of the awesome, awesome four of us. So. Okay, awesome. Well, I, I hope that uh, you out there in, in listener world have enjoyed listening to this episode of 80% Mental. Uh, I, I found it just really fascinating and interesting to hear about the mental challenges and the, the preparation involved in undertaking such an epic adventure um and i can't wait to have you two and maybe the other two after the trip as well yeah definitely you can get, a, you get us get us on one and then then them on the other and then see if the, the stories match up yeah we can we can talk about how the sort of team bonding actually went after after, after you've spent 40 days <laughs> together on the boat. Yeah, <laughs> But I, I would love to, to speak to you guys again after you've after you've completed the challenge as well uh, and, and talk about how that went. Um, but you can listen to all of the other extremely high quality episodes of Eighty Percent Mental uh, at the website eighty percent mental I'll say that again eighty percent mental where you can subscribe and leave a comment if you want to. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at EPM Podcast or Instagram at eighty percent mental. Uh, we're not on Threads yet. Um, <laughs> I, I can't really cut. I can't really get to grips with it. I don't. I don't know why. Just, just we're, leaving, we're leaving it to Liz. Yeah, Liz yeah. is our social media guru, so she's, um, <laughs> she's like, I just need to figure this one out. I'm like, mm, yeah, we'll leave yeah, that. Th- Threads isn't singing to me yet, but we are on Instagram <laughs> and, and and Twitter. Um, but leave us a review uh, on the website, or you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts actually, and tell everyone how great the podcast is. That would be really helpful. Um, and there'll be more episodes coming pretty soon. So until then, I will see you next time. I won't see you though, well, because it's a podcast. <laughs>